Hey guys, welcome to Godfather Minute. How you doing? Throw, throw them up some chips, everybody. How you doing? How you doing? Hey, I'm Alex Robinson. And I'm Andy Robinson. Together we are the Godfather, Godfather Minute, Minute Brothers. Brothers. Here to talk about Minute 144 of the Godfather. I just got it that that intro was, you were you were doing the, the Mo Green scene. Yeah. Walking was, in, being the big man on campus. Yeah, exactly. The BMOC. The big mo on campus. The big mo on the casino. The BMOC. The big mo out of the casino. <laughs> oh, Mikey, you don't talk to the BMOC like that. <laughs> Alex, repeat after me. E minuto. E minuto. Numero. Numero. Cento. Cento. Quarantaquattro. Quarantaquattro. Cento quarantra quarantra quattro. You got it. Oh boy, that was a tough one there. Quarantra. Wait, how does it Sounds like you're choking on your cannoli. (laughs) Beg your pardon? Yes. We're talking about being in 144 of The Godfather. We are in Las Vegas, swanky Las Vegas. Uh, And who derives but Mo Green? Mo Green arrives on the scene. Um, He's in a jovial spirits. Until Mikey proposes that he sell out his share of the casino and hotel to the Corleone family. Mo claims to find it funny, but it's an offer he's going to refuse. <laughs> an offer refused. <laughs> <laughs> offer, col- offer, colon, refused. <laughs> Exclamation point. I wonder if, Fre- if Freddie later goes to meet up with Mo and says, Mo, you don't refuse an offer from Mike Corleone like that. <laughs> or an offer like that. <laughs> That's Fredo's go-to line in all these scenes. <laughs> Mike, you don't step me over like that. <laughs> uh, it's Johnny Ola, you don't call me and ask me famous in the middle of the night like that. It's funny in a weird way how Fredo is almost... Fredo almost takes on the kind of... Um, so basically, uh, <laughs> Pop had Jenko for a consigliere, mm-hmm. and Sonny had Tom as mm-hmm. his consigliere. And basically, in this scene, like Fred, Fredo's kind of acting like Mikey's consigliere. He's basically saying, "Like Mike, you don't come in and talk to a guy with Mo, like Mo Green. Like you know, he's he's ah. trying to he's trying to like keep Mikey grounded mm. and perform that same thing that Tom was trying to do. Like you know, you gotta you gotta uh, you know." people with respect and so on. So, Do you think uh, Fredo already sees the writing on the wall that he's been stepped over, so now he's vying for the conciliary position? He's like, I watched Tom for years do this. I can do it. No, I think this and is... And with only one client, how hard could it be? <laughs> I think this is when it's sinking in on him that he's going to be stepped over. Ah, uh, yeah. You could, the look on his face, did you notice in this minute? Oh, totally, The, yeah. well, the very beginning of the minute where Mikey's finishing up with Johnny Fartstain. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I don't know, Mikey. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is where he's beginning to realize that mm-hmm. he's because he says, you know, he's he's basically um, I think he sees himself as being kind of like the he's like the middle person between Mikey and Mo Green. Like he's yeah. kind of the broker brokering the deal. And then Mikey's just totally ignoring him and and, and so on. But, yeah, he's the middle Mo. The middle Mo. He's Mo's middle man. <laughs> Most middleman. Anyway, so speaking of which, let's go through this. Let's go through this in order. 
Yeah, so Moe's entrance is fantastic. Yep. I think it's one of the greatest entrances in all of cinema. Mm-hmm. Right? Why so? How so? Oh, he's so positive and just... It, it even seems physically, boom, he's just, he's in the room and you only see, barely see him coming. He's just, boom, he's there. Yeah. And, and, and he's immediately walking around. He's not like, he doesn't oh, just stop. He knows and, everyone. He's shaking yeah. hands. He, did you notice he, he patted uh, Tom Hagen on the chest? <laughs> he's like, hey, Tommy. <laughs> and and he, it's almost like he had this plan or maybe through experience having done it a lot. He, one of the things he says is, uh, the dancers will kick your tongue out. Yeah. I didn't tell, what does that mean? I wrote that down too. It's funny. <laughs> Well, first they thought obviously meant like kick, like they will physically kick your, like, you know, but I think what I, when I, after I wrote it down, I was like, I think what he's trying to imply is that like, if you picture a chorus line and their legs are all kicking Mm. and then you're in the audience and like a Tex Avery wolf, you're like, "Ah, ah," you're like panting because you're so worked up into a sexual frenzy by their legs kicking. I think that's kind of what he means. I think you're right. And I'm going to add to that, Alex, Mm -hmm. and they're kicking your tongue out because their legs are so long and they can reach you Mm. because long legs on ladies are lovely ladies lads love ladies long legs lads hey godfather tongue twisters (laughs) lads love ladies long legs (laughs) that might be the name of the episode alex um yeah so uh or also he's the kind of like a veiled threat like you know cutting out your tongue like yeah oh yeah you better shut up or you're gonna get your tongue you know classic mo you're gonna get curb stomped yeah (laughs) classic mo do you know curb stomping i did i think so okay yeah uh yeah So, so mo is saying uh so you're suggesting that mo in everything he says there's also a veiled threat yes yeah draw chips for everyone on the house well, it's funny that he says that because <laughs> he says well, the first thing he says when he comes in, he's like, "Oh, the, the dancers, the little, you know, the drinks are on the drinks are on me." The, the chef, the chefs makes cook just just for you, and he says, "Your credit is good." He goes, "Your credit is good." And he's like, "Draw up chips for everyone to play on the house," which seems kind of contradictory to your yeah. credit. It sounds like he's basically saying, uh, "Your credit is good," and I, I give them chips because <laughs> like. Like they're, I know they're gonna they're gonna have to pay me back for it. Basically. Alex, it's classic Mo. It's classic Mo. He starts with the the legalese. Uh-huh. He says your credit's good. Pretty much, you're gonna have to pay me back. Then draw chips for everyone on the house. <laughs> so if anyone ever came back later, Mo could say, "Hey, where, where's the money? I told you your credit's good." That's just that's just classic one. Mo. That's just one uh, one facet of my system I call domination, <gasps> which is that you know you come in, you dominate the room. You're you're in charge. Yes. <laughs> a little TM in that. Don't forget. Domination. So yeah. First, Love I was going to say momination, but that doesn't sound as good. doesn't sound wow. as good. I love it. Domination. <laughs> That's what the next song should be called. <laughs> Speaking of songs, Alex. Yes. I think you and I can agree that mm. we can we can agree to agree. That our current countdown is going to end next minute when Fredo. Ch- I think it's next minute when Fredo chastises Michael. Right? It's the 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 line. The key line is: you don't talk to a man. You don't come to Las Vegas to talk to a man like Mo Green like that. Mm-hmm. So even though in this current minute, Mikey is talking to Mo Green like that. Yeah. Technically, we we 
change yeah. to the next song next minute. It is Fredo's. Now, I know a lot of people have been sending us cards and letters. Talk, they can wait for a minute 144 because they want to hear the new song. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we still have one. Let's, you know, we should play it because this is like the last time we can play it. This right? is, well, we could play it. Uh, we could play it next time, but no, I think you're right because we usually debut the, the new song at the next milestone. So let's do it. You want to lead us in, Alex? Coming in at number 69, here's Andy Robinson with the, what is it, the Mo Green Countdown? <laughs> it's Don't You Talk to Him. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Casey. <laughs> Where are those pictures I wanted autographed on my desk? Um, coming in, at I couldn't s- even get the name of the song. I'm trying to run a business here. I gotta kick ass every once in a while. Oh, every once in a while, I gotta kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> and just to show I'm not hard-hearted, here's here's Andy Robinson with "Don't Come to Las Vegas" parentheses and talk to a man like Mo Green like that close parentheses. Thanks, Alex, for leading us into that. We got a lot more to talk about this minute. 
So did you notice that phrase? I thought you were going to segue to a commercial. We got a lot more to talk about in this minute, so we'll be right back. Did you notice that Fredo stands, when Mo comes in, Fredo stands up and pulls the seat out for him? Yes. What do you make of that? Um, he, well, is, is Fredo Moe's errand boy? Well, I think it's definitely a sign that Fredo is more worried about impressing Fre- impressing Moe than he is about impressing Mikey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you know, it's, I can understand, but that's probably Fredo's role. You know, he's there to grease the wheels and, and, you know, keep people happy. He's the fluffer. He's the fluffer <laughs> of the family. So this is like what his, um, you know, kind of his role is. And I obviously, yeah. you know, it really shows that it makes sense because like to Fredo, he's still getting used to the idea that Mikey is the godfather, basically, mm-hmm. you know, to him, he's still, he's still a little Mikey who was playing uh, Cowboys and Indians. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So yeah, that um, makes sense. But um, do you think do you think Mo has trained Fredo to do those kinds of things? Because he's he was straying too far. He wasn't he, the the gamblers couldn't get a drink on the casino floor. He was he was just he, <laughs> Mo has tightened his leash and has given him very strict and specific instructions. When I when I walk in, you pull out the seat. I don't think it's the. You think it was that spoken that like I think this is just like Fredo's looking at this as a chance to impress Mo. Mm-hmm. By, and and so he wants everything to go perfectly so he's yeah know. what did fredo think this meeting was for um well i'm sure he knew that the corleones were going to move out there yeah but maybe he just thought that they were going to like talk more about what their partnership was going to be like now that the corleones were going to be more involved yeah yeah you maybe know. fredo thought it really was just going to be a party that's why he set up the band and the party. And he said, oh, Mo said to just call when the party started. Yeah. So, so you think Mo Green was disappointed when he walked in and it was just a bunch of people, a bunch of guys sitting there signing contracts and stuff? Yeah. Freddie, what kind of party is this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pull my own chair out next thing you know. Yeah. I told you to call me when the party started. I, you, know, you, you can't do these. I'm running a business. I can't walk into a room full of a bunch of people doing legal stuff, signing contracts. Um, one thing I think is, so yeah, speaking of, of music, one thing I think is, is a nice touch and I don't know if it's intentional or reading too much into it, but when he's talking to, um, Mo and he's telling him to, you know, about signing the contract, you know, selling the, selling his share and everything. And you see the piano, the unused piano in the mm, background. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it, rem- it reminded me of the first time we heard a story like this is when the band leader was being threatened. So it's like another musical. Yes. You know, the, 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 oh, the yeah. empty piano is like echoing the, 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 the band, uh, the band leader. Excellent. He's no band leader, though, this guy. No, no. And, and I heard that story. Yeah, that's awesome. Great observation. I did not pick up on that. I saw the piano, but I didn't think of its significance. Yeah. Um, so have you? Um, I will admit the few times that I've had someone pull a chair out for me to sit down, like in a fancy restaurant or something, mm-hmm. I find it very uncomfortable. Because they don't know exactly how you like how deep you like the chair in or out. Yeah, and I think unless you're used to someone doing that, it's it's. I can see if someone does that for you all the time, you kind of know, okay, I just know exactly what to do because there's someone pushing a chair under me. So wait, I, I was making a joke. Are you serious that you, I, I assumed you were uncomfortable because of the, the, the social dynamic, not, not because the, 
the the mechanics of oh oh he pushed the chair in too far for me or or back no it's more that it's more the oh it is that it's more that <laughs> like because I'm a I'm a, a large oafish man and mm. like I'm like oh you know it's like it just makes me aware of that you know what I mean like I can negotiate sure, yeah. the chair by myself but having someone else <laughs> there with you it's like it's now suddenly like you're you're hyper aware of what you're doing and are you sitting in the chair the wrong way and oh, do I, <laughs> should I pull it forward do I push do I lead yeah. do I help him pull it forward do I, know, I yeah. do, you know so that it's that kind of stuff so it's funny because I've only had that done for me a few times I don't yeah. even recall when but I do recall feeling it feeling awkward but for the other reason that it's like oh I don't I don't need someone subservient that needs to pull my chair out. <laughs> As you Yours know, is more about the mechanics of. Oh yeah, yeah. Yours is more the Larry David thing. Yeah. Right? If I can, if I could master the mechanics, maybe I'd worry about the socialization part. But, but I, first things first. Yeah. When I uh, when I lived in um, uh, Manhattan, as you know, uh, we moved into a, a high rise building and it had um, a revolving door in the front. And there was a doorman, and when you would walk to go use the revolving door, the doorman would push, start pushing the door for yeah, you on the other yeah, side. Yeah. And it took me so long to get used to that because just like the social aspect, or well, the, that's more the like timing what, of the door spinning. <laughs> no, that one is more the socialization. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like I'm like I'm now the kind of person who lives in a building where people open doors for me, or like you know, like yeah, that, like yeah. just that. It's more just the, the awkward social of, of awareness of the you know. Yeah, I never got used to that. All those times I visited you yeah. and they'd come and they'd jump up. They'd be all comfortable behind their podium reading or playing yeah. a video game and they'd jump up and run over. Because like, oh, you, you, would, stand, you would stand there and wait for them until they got up. And it was like a good like <laughs> 20 foot walk across. And that guy was old too. Yeah, like, I can't well, believe you know, do that. Yeah, you got to make that uh, elevator operators union. Got, uh, oh yeah, and our, you remember in our dad's old building, they had an elevator operator. And um, it was literally just a modern elevator, and a guy would just push the button. For yeah, you. and then yeah. you're gonna ride in the elevator with this guy. Unacceptable! <laughs> oh no way! There's no reason for that. <laughs> I think they said because they have a lot of like old people in the building yeah. for security and whatnot. But sure, it, it yeah. was, it's very uh, uncomfortable to have. It prevents all the little kids from going in there and pushing all the buttons. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did that as a kid. You know, I think I would even be I would be more comfortable with it if. If there was just a guy sitting on a stool, like a security mm-hmm. guy in there, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, whatever. But the fact that he has to go through the thing of pushing the button for you is, is like the humiliating part. <laughs> is it, like, I'm so weak. Can you push it, that for me, So it's boy? emasculating? You feel like you're, or you're a child? Like it's, they, more, you know, it's more emasculating for that person. Oh, than, I see. Than it is for me because it's like, mm. like your job is doing the simplest possible thing that, yeah. that, that I can do is mm. <laughs> pushing a button. So anyway. We're getting off the track. <laughs> you know, I can never be an elevator operator. You know why? Why is that? I think I would have a really hard time learning the route. Mm, well, you know, it has its <laughs> ups and downs. <laughs> well, back to the minute, Alex. <laughs> I got some great stuff here. So Michael asks, Mo, he says, is my credit good enough to buy you out? Fredo laughs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love John Cazale's laugh in that thing. Oh, it's great. <laughs> like the Crypt Keeper. He kind of has a little Crypt Keeper look going on, doesn't he? He'd be a great Crypt Keeper for Halloween. <laughs> Godfather Halloween. <gasps> That's, That's it. <laughs> so my question is, why does he laugh? He already know. Two minutes earlier, he, he already knows that 
Michael is serious about the offer. Yeah. So why is he laughing? Is he laughing because he he's still really not sure? And he's like, oh, clearly that's a joke. <laughs> and I'm laughing along with Mikey's joke because he doesn't want to buy you out. Yeah, because he you think that's like, it. Yeah, and just the the uncomfortableness of it, I imagine. Because yeah. even if he was going to propose the idea to Mo Green, mm-hmm. just the idea that he would just blurt it right out right at the top of the meeting, I'm sure, totally threw Fredo off his. Yeah, you know. So I think it's mm-hmm. almost just more like a panic response more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just kidding, right? 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Because he's because he's in between the two right now, and between the the loyalties, I guess. Which is what Michael is pretty soon going to call him out on. Yeah, that's true. He's like, oh, Mikey's the man, but Mo Green's the man here. Wipe <laughs> 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 <Lights> out. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> no credit. <laughs> no, but their credit is good. <laughs> so, Alex, is Mo? So, Mikey accuses Mo Green in this scene of skimming or not of skimming but accuses him of being unlucky yeah i was say i object he doesn't he never accused yeah. him of anything mo green suspects that he's being accused it's interesting that mo would jump right to that <laughs> oh, yeah. he wouldn't say like oh, oh, oh well, you think i'm unlucky he immediately goes to what you think i'm taking money out of the till right downstairs what he's a good poker skimming oh i'm a man with a vision <laughs> you know why he's skimming, Alex? Why? So he can finally have that statue erected. <laughs> the Mo Green uh, statue signpost uh, plaque fund. <laughs> it's all off the record. Do you think he is skimming, Alex? Yes. Whoa! I, you didn't even need to think about it. Why? Well, I mean, it's like uh, it's like Joe Pesci says in Casino. Anytime somebody's helping you to steal, you have to expect that they're stealing a little extra for themselves. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it's yeah. kind of like an understood thing. If you're involved yeah. in a criminal enterprise, like, you kind of take it for granted that everyone is also has their own little schemes going on. That's why we're all in this thing. Yeah. Why are we built this thing if we're not going to be skimming? Yeah, yeah. It's what do you think I'm here because <laughs> I like little hotel soaps? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he's skimming, but for a different reason. Why? Mikey says, your casino loses money. Yeah. And Mo instantly says, well, you think, what, you think I'm skimming? Yeah. Isn't that the Shakespeare, the lady protests too much? Is that the same? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instantly says, it's, he's probably skimming. Yeah. Alex, your fans want to know who you are? Is the real Alex Robinson? I'm not so sure they do want to know that, but go ahead. Would you skim? If I was Mo Green? Yes, if you were Mo Green. And then I'm going to ask you the same question, if you were Fredo. Yes, and yes. And yes in both cases. Okay. What if, if you were you? If I was me? And you were working in the casino business. Um, I probably would not. Why not? Well, because uh, I'm not that clever. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'd be, unless I was like 99% sure I would get away with it, I, mm-hmm. it would seem to me that like anything I would do probably would have been thought of before by someone smarter than me 
and therefore mm-hmm. the casino would have somewhat they would they would take that into account that yeah. people oh that this is one area where the cameras don't see like they would know that that's like they need something else there to protect that hole you know so that's it's not about morality it's more about fear of getting caught and having my hands chopped off by gangsters or something yeah yeah um, yeah that makes sense the risk is too great yeah i mean like i said unless there was some way i knew for sure that i for sure that i could get away with it i think the the, the best bet is to be in that entourage of people and always be sure you're at the party that Mo Green's going to walk into because then you just keep getting chips given to you. Mm. And just find, oh, befriend his party planner, his personal assistant that books all his gigs and to be sure you're at all of those parties. And just count on the free credit. <laughs> just count on the free credit. <laughs> there are guys have been living in Las Vegas for years just on Mo's free credit. <laughs> Mo's like, hey, who, who, who is this guy? Have you ever seen any of those, those travel shows where they go like how to the cheap deal, best deals in Las Vegas or anything <laughs> like that? To talk, someone talks to hey, you know you can get free chips. Become one of Mo Green's entourage members. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're talking here with Al Neary. Al, how long have you been here in Las Vegas? <laughs> That's why Al got into this business. His long-term strategy mm-hmm. was to become a button man, make his bones, move his way up, and now he's made it. He's made it to Vegas where he can just attend all those parties. Yeah, totally. And he can he can transition out of the hard role of killing people, all that risky stuff. <laughs> I forget. Did we we know Rocco killed Pauly, right? That's how he made his yes. bones? Yes. Do we know how Al got his bones? Besides making drinks. So, (laughs) Al, make him some bones. (laughs) May Al, would you get, would you make Merle some bones? (laughs) I think, I think Al made his bones by being Connie's uh, travel agent, booking her Mm. passage on the Queen. (laughs) That's harder than shooting Polly these days. The standards have really fallen now. If you like, used to be, you had to kill a guy and keep secret yeah. about it. Now, if you can get tickets to the Queen, <laughs> so I may be, I may be remembering this incorrectly. You may but be naive. I think Al makes his bones in the book by killing Mo Green. Also, at this I think point, the events are are a different order in the book. So in the book he has he's yeah. in the book he's already killed Mo Green by the time I, they have this meeting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey is really talking to Fredo. <laughs> Fredo, my good my like enough good to buy you out. Fredo's the man in Vegas. <laughs> it's really it's like a sixth sense where you look back and all the scenes with Mo Green was actually he was never there the whole time. Was it Fredo or is it no one? <laughs> what I just realized now was Barzini all along. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's an anagram. If you if you rearrange Mo Green, it's Fredo Corleone. Wow, <laughs> uh, that well, would be great if if Fredo was the one who came in and said, "Hey, the chefs will cook for you." <laughs> he kind of did that, didn't he? Already, <laughs> yeah. Chef, the dancers will kick your teeth out, and you're gonna have a great time. Um. So uh, I have some information <laughs> about um Mo Green, the actor who played Mo Green. Do you want to hear it? Okay. Did you have some more stuff from the book you were going to say? I definitely have stuff from the book, and I definitely have more about the minute. Okay. Oh, yeah, I do, too. But go ahead. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, Alex Rocco is the actor who plays uh, Mo Mm -hmm. Green. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you remember the first time? I remember the first time I became aware of Alex Rocco. Do you remember who it was? Do you remember? Oh, (laughs) one day at a time. No, you're close. Uh 
Facts of Life. Facts of Life. He was Joe yes. Polnicek's father. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, that was the first time I ever yeah. became aware of him because mm-hmm. part of it was because his name was Alex Rocco, which is almost like my name, Alex Robbins. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. we have the same first uh-huh. six letters. So I yeah. always felt a certain kinship with uh, Alex huh. Rocco. Yeah. But, and um, you both really dug Joe from Facts of Life. Oh, yeah. Joe was the best one. She was. She was. Tootie. Uh, anyway, so um, he... Um, Wait, I'm rethinking that now. Hold on. Was Joe the best one? I liked her the best, but... Yeah. Well, who else? You? I mean, yeah. you got Tootie. You got Kimberly uh, and Blair. Natalie. You know what? I, I, I'm going to go Mrs. G. Whoa, you're yeah, granny I'm grabber, are you? Yeah. Well, not now, but <laughs> 10 years, not 10 years from now, but 10, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Do you think, oh my gosh, I don't want to know the answer to this. Do you think we are older now than Charlotte Ray was when they were filming Different Strokes? Mm. Oh, I have no idea. To me, she's always in her 60s, but I don't think she was in her 60s then. We might be older than Charlotte Ray then. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, Alex Rocco, Alex Rocco, um, born in 1936, apparently, um, probably as really close to being, uh, one of the real life gangsters in this, uh, he, um, was once, uh, suspected under murder and he spent a year in jail for bookmaking. Whoa. Okay. So, perfect um, fit. after that, he was like, I'm never going to jail again. I'm going to become an actor. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, (laughs) So uh, he apparently came into the audition and um, uh, like as soon as he walked in, Francis Ford Coppola was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we found our Jew. And Alex Rocco, who's Italian, was like, I've never played a Jewish person in you know my life. I don't know how to you know what. And uh, and so basically I remember he said someone told him that when you're like Italians, when they talk with their hands, they talk with their palms out and they pinch their fingers. Mm-hmm. When Jewish people talk, they put their hands together like, you know, and they, then they, they put their, they, um, but Jewish people put their hands together and move their hands up and down for the same gesture. Huh? Okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, if you yeah. Do it, I really like thought about that. I and if you'll it. notice, Alex Rocco does that exact gesture. He clap, you know, he puts his hands together ah. when he's saying, when he's, uh, and so uh, I just thought that was such a funny little gimmick. Like the only difference <laughs> yeah. between Jewish people and Italian people were where they put their hands when they were explaining <laughs> something to you. <laughs> That's great. So hey, I just picked up on something. What's that? Alex Rocco. Uh, in Pig Latin, uh-huh. I don't know how you say Alex, but Alex Ako Ray, Charlotte Ray. Whoa, do you think that's, facts of life? Do you? Th- you don't think that's Charlotte Ray? You don't think that's like a <laughs> like a pulling like a tootsie thing? Alex Rocco, Ako Ray, Charlotte Ray, molasses. <laughs> well, I've always wanted to know is who is the real Alex Rocco? <laughs> Charlotte Ray. <laughs> Oh, hey, you said Alex Rocco was born in 1936. That's right. You know who else was born in 1936? Who? Our father. Our father. Oh. Yeah. That's a weird, another weird coincidence. Yeah. Anything else about Alex Rocco? No, that's, that'll do it for now. Hmm. But, um, yeah, he's from Boston, as you might be able to tell when he starts getting loud. Him and uh, mm. Fredo have that in common. They both have uh, oddly Boston accents, mm. considering that they're... Uh... Anyway, what else you got from the book? So... You know, naturally, we want to side with Michael Corleone in this argument, right? Of course. He is the protagonist at this point. We've known him since he was a little kid. Yeah. But Mo 
has a better argument here, right? How so? He took, as Mo says, he took Fredo in when the Corleones were having a bad time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now they want to push him out. First of all, Fredo is here under the protection of the Molinari brothers on the coast. <laughs> I'm just saying in this minute. I guess Michael hasn't defended himself. Yeah, he hasn't made his case yet. I, in this just minute, I, I'm, leaning, I'm judging in the favor of Alex of uh, Mo Alex Rocco Green. Oh. Yeah. You're, you're in He's favor. got a better argument. First of all, you're forgetting that all the judges are in the pockets of the Corleone family. Oh, so the whole system is, is like, skewed anyway. Yeah. It's rigged. What are, what are you, a lawyer? <laughs> I wonder how Tom Hagen's taking this whole thing, hmm. watching them battle it out as if they were lawyers, right? <laughs> um, do you think he re- he does seem to recognize Tom by name? Yeah. So do you think he uh, this guy, I guess, goes back to what you were saying before when he walks into the room and immediately says, hey, hey, Tom, how you doing? Fredo. And he knows everyone. You think like one of his bodyguard guys is like, all right, you're going to say Fredo. And, you know, like uh, like in Veep. Where, oh, prepares him. Yeah, where someone is one of his bodyguards is like, whisp, like always telling him, "Oh, the Tom Hagen, he's the lawyer," and like, like right before they go in, so he knows going in who everyone <laughs> yeah. is and stuff. Yeah, and it worked until he, um, until he clasped his hands together. Yeah, because he, he had written the names of everyone on his palms. Oh no, as a cheat sheet. <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, good to see you, Prego." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ham Tegan. <laughs> um, so I got some stuff from the book, Alex. Yeah, what you got for me? I, uh, hit it now. Sure. It's a little bit different. Hmm. Um, oh, this is great stuff. Okay, page 384, Puzo writes. So what, there's a knock at the door. Uh, Puzo writes, it was Hagen who went to open it. <laughs> It was Hagen who went to open it and was almost brushed aside when Mo Green came striding into the room, followed by his two bodyguards. Mm. So a little bit of a more cold entrance in the book, Alex. Can I pause for one second? Yeah. And ask you a question? Yeah. Now, in the book, doesn't Tom have business dealings in Vegas or has that not happened yet? Um, He... I know he's been in touch with the Lucy and Johnny, yeah. but he's he has more Hollywood involvement in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's getting involved in the film business. Does he have a mistress yet? I don't recall from the book. I don't think so. I don't think okay. it's discussed in Vegas. Right. Go ahead. Puzo writes, Mo Green, there's a little bio here. Hmm. Mo Green was a handsome hood who had made his rep as a murder, a murder incorporated executioner in Brooklyn. Wow. And murder incorporated is, cap, is capitalized. He had branched out into gambling and gone west to seek his fortune because he had vision. <laughs> uh, he had been the first person to see this, see the possibilities of Las Vegas and built one of the first hotel casinos on the Strip. He still had murderous tantrums and was feared by everyone in the hotel, not excluding Freddie, Lucy, and Jules Siegel. The, the, all, they always stayed out of his way whenever possible. Interesting, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't get the impression in the movie that he was that he was that tough. Right. He was more bi- like a businessman, like a Hyman Roth businessman. Yeah. But I guess in you know in a couple minutes he is going to defend his background. He talks about making his bones and all that. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me. For next week, I wanted to. Um, I didn't do it this week, but I wanted to look up uh, bring in for information about Bugsy Siegel. 
mm-hmm. the person who Mo Green is ba- the gangster who Mo Green is based on. Well, we'll bring I'll bring some of that next week. Oh, great idea! So, Puto writes. Mm-hmm. Mo Green's handsome face was grim now, so mm-hmm. he just walks into the room right now. Yeah. He doesn't come in all happy like in the movie. Oh, okay. His handsome face was grim now. He said to Michael Corleone, I've been waiting around to talk to you. Mike, I got a lot of things to do tomorrow, so I figured I'd catch you tonight. How about it? Very different, Alex. Yeah, this one, Mo Green's the one taking charge. Very different. Uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Puto yeah. writes, mm-hmm. uh, after the goodbyes were said, oh, okay, so they didn't even start talking about business yet. Yeah. And uh, Puto writes, after the goodbyes were said, there was Fred- Freddie, Tom Hagen, Mo Green, and Michael Corleone left in the room. Mm. So everybody else was gone. Right. And then they start talking business, which makes sense to me. In the movie, you got this room full of people. Are they all trusted? Yeah, Johnny's there. and Yeah, the body. I guess the bodyguards are around. I mean, but unless, maybe, that's, unless I that's part of Mikey's thing is that he wants everyone to know that. Like by making a big play of it, they kind of don't want it to be a secret. They want everyone yeah. to know that Mo Green is being pushed out by yeah. doing it in front of everybody. Yeah, maybe that could be a good strategy. Uh, this is interesting too. Uh, Puto writes: Green put his drink down on the table and said with barely controlled fury, "What's this? I hear the Corleone family is going to buy me oh, come out. Come on, you can do barely controlled fury better than that. What's the, What's this? I hear the Corleone family is going to buy me out." <laughs> I'll buy you out. You don't buy me out. <laughs> Hagen's having a breakdown. <laughs> what do they call that where you start taking out other people's personalities? Oh, yes. <laughs> Tom, I said you're out. I didn't say I was buying you out. <laughs> Would you go to law school? Get stupid. <laughs> Michael said reasonably, your casino has been losing money against all the odds. There's something wrong with the way you operate. Maybe we can do better. Mm, so that's a lot more. Con- that's a lot more a direct confrontation. Yeah, yeah. They hit it hard here. Yeah. Green laughed harshly. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you goddamn dagos! I do you a favor and take. And then it, it continues similar to the movie. I want to point out in the book he says, "You goddamn dagos." Yeah. And in the movie, I think he says guineas, yeah, right? Yeah, he says guineas. Yeah, they're both derogatory terms, but just wanted to point out that difference. I thought Dago was for Spanish people. I, Gosh, I'm not sure. We'll have to look that up. We asked. asked we'll we answer. answer. How great is it that we don't even know what, slant, what like, well, I guess how privileged are we that we don't even have to. Uh... It's a good sign of the times that we don't, we're not that familiar with them right alex yeah um so that's it from the book so there's more in the book obviously as the as the, as the conversation continues but continues. we'll talk about in the, in the next minute i think i like the um script i like the movie version of their um thing together because it's slightly it's a little bit more subtle i guess he does wind up pretty much they do wind up yelling at each other so yeah um but uh, in the movie you don't I like the the fact that this Mo Green comes in with a positive attitude and is cheery. <laughs> and he is. Do you think Mo knew yeah. this going in, or do you think he? I, I did Mo to see this coming and was like, "Oh boy, I bet there." And he was just kind of going in as like a front to be all happy, or was he legitimately surprised that they wanted to buy him out? I don't. I think he gave the impression that he was surprised at first. Yeah, 
But I don't think he was because in later minutes, that's probably the next minute, he goes into that. He says the Corleone family is all through, etc. Maybe he knew it was coming or may, that it might be coming, but he wanted to wait to see if it truly was coming before. Maybe that's where the skimming. Maybe that's where the skimming part came in because maybe the person who he got his information from was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you don't know, Mo? I hear they're good. They want to. Uh, they want to push you out." He's like, "Why? Why are these? I, maybe they think you're skimming." Like mm-hmm. That kind of. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. You know, we don't know where how reliable his information is or where he gets it. Yeah. I think Mo saw this coming. You think so? He's a man with vision. <laughs> really, it's true. <laughs> it's ironic that he has glasses that the play a part in his, <laughs> yeah. in his death. Considering yeah. he, he literally had vision. <laughs> yeah, he was a man. He was a man with vision. I said was. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he's got an astigmatism. Twenty forty. <laughs> Twenty forty. Not bad for a man his age. <laughs> <laughs> make sure make sure he sees an American eye doctor who speaks English. <laughs> yeah. He, he has vision problems, but no dental pl- problems, no plaque. <laughs> uh, so um, I guess we can rate this, although I don't know why we should even go through the charade. I'm pretty sure we both know what we're going to give. Let's just, say the, let's just say the number right now. You okay, ready? ready? One, One, two, two three, three, four, five, five six. six. Whoa. It's one of our rare sixes. I'm oh, allowing man. it. I'm allowing it a six. Oh wow! Okay, you're breaking the barrier. Breaking. You, you you're a podcaster with vision. It's a mo bet. They call it the mo barrier. <laughs> yeah, the mo barrier breach. <laughs> Here we go around the mo bar. The mo. Wait, what was it? The mo barrier breach. The mo barrier breach. <laughs> Here we go around the Mo Barrier Breach. The Mo Barrier Breach. The Mo Barrier Breach. I do have one more item before we close shop. Yes. What you got for me? I, I want to thank some folks for giving us some nice iTunes reviews. Oh. I got. I don't look at that kind of stuff, uh, but I happen to be on it because I was testing some iTunes stuff. And there, were, but I want to. So thank you to any everyone who's written a, a review for us. Now one of them was it was positive, but the. The listener said that they were really surprised that we didn't know what what the word Corleone meant. Hmm. So if you remember, Alex, it was I don't know, a dozen episodes ago, we were probably when they were walking around the town of Corleone. We asked, what does the word Corleone actually mean? Uh-huh. Uh, but this listener thought we, it was really funny. They said uh, they were surprised we didn't know what Corleone meant that because it was the town that Vito Andolini came from. Oh, yeah, we knew that. We knew that. Yeah. But we just didn't know what the word Corleone, the origin, the right. the, the meaning of yeah. the, the actual word Corleone. So I took the opportunity to reach out to our Latin scholar, Peter Carucci, in New York City. All right. Are you ready for a little um, history lesson, Alex? Does he have a theme song? Oh, great idea. <laughs> It'd be some, some Latin kind of, some fun. Oh, Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's like talk it. about Latin now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Latin uninspired. scholar, tell us how. <laughs> I love it. One more time. What that thing I just said? Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> we'll do it with. I'll do it with an organ and stuff. Once when I, it was Latin scholar, tell us how. To pronounce these words right now. 
<laughs> awesome. And then it says that same thing again in Latin. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll have to, we'll have to ask him how to say it. <laughs> yeah. And then it says it again, again in English. Right. <laughs> it's the longest, <laughs> most uninspiring modern day jingle. <laughs> I love it. The other thing is we could make the theme <laughs> something in Latin, like, hey, you don't talk to a man like Mo Green like that in Latin. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is Peter Krugi reaching out to us from New York City. Peter, what is the origin of the word Corleone? Hey, great to be back. Hope you guys are doing well. Corleone. Think of it as two words. Cor meaning heart. Leone, lion. Lion, heart. Wow, that's a great name for a town, isn't it? Even in modern Italian, when we hear Corleone, we think lion heart. Yet the town most probably gets its name from the Byzantine Greek, Cora Leon, meaning the territory of or town of Leone, which was likely a name. Thus, town of Leone. It could also have been an amalgam of the Byzantine Greek and earlier Latin, town of or territory of lions. We know that name was in play when the Moors occupied Sicily, just less than a thousand years ago, as they had understood that to mean Kurulion, which translates from the Arabic to be place which brings extreme happiness just by looking at it. Kurulion, known by its Latin name Kurulionum, gets a few other names over the coming centuries. Corallion by the Norman French, Corillone, a form still in use through the 1800s, but ultimately by the year 1556, the town is affirmatively Corleone. All of that being said, the word Corleone in Italian, particularly in the north, could also mean a large corlo. A corlo is a device used to untangle wool. So we have Lionheart, town of Leone. Territory of the Lions, a place which brings you joy just by looking at it, and possibly wool untanglers. Until next time, all the best. All right, thank you. Latin scholar, thank you so. And now Latin time must go. <laughs> what do you think, Alex? Well, he kind of gave us a bunch of different answers. Yeah, I think you're a wool untang- untangler. Hey, which <laughs> one of those do you like the best? Uh, I think uh, heart, lion heart. Mm. That's probably the coolest, right? I like um, land of the corals. Was that mm. one? Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Peter Crucci, our Latin scholar from New York City. Alex, are we wrapping it up now? All right, I guess that will do it. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening. I understand that with the pandemic and all podcast listening, listenership is down. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, we really are uh, glad you joined us today. And uh, until next time. Is it's my credit, credit good, good enough, enough to buy you out? out?